1993, Final Approach changed the way we hunt waterfowl. Now, over 25 years later, we're back at it. My name's Mario, host of the FA Podcast. Let's talk waterfowl tips, tricks, tactics, and more. It's all going down right here with the Final Approach Podcast. Special guest this week, we're talking snow geese, and we're talking about Brad Fenson, who is uh, an outdoor writer, freelance outdoor writer up in Alberta, Canada, uh, kills more animals than anyone I know throughout the year, and knows more about snow geese, and that's where I pretty much have learned all my snow goose tactics and tips and whatever. He is the Arctic bird killer. How's that? That was a pretty good intro. Yeah, think like a snow goose, no matter how weird it gets. <laughs> yes. So, you know, we're we're about to embark on, you know, the snow goose season down here, which obviously, you know, is coming up to you eventually. Um, you know, this late, late season, the spring season, the conservation season, what are you, you know, what are you doing differently or what's the key to you know killing them consistently well the key is to hide and it's harder in the spring because our heavy snowpack makes our fields look like flat pancakes so everything stands out right so the key is to make sure that you're either dressed in white and sitting in the decoys or if you're using a blind at all make sure you scrub it in but with material that is out of the field, that is bleached by the sun and all the extra snow and everything else. Because if not, you stick out terribly. When you're, you know, so let's take, so so that that is absolutely key. Let's take a step back, though. What are you looking for uh, when you're scouting? Like, 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 because you're going to run into... Um, a lot of feeds, right? You're going to run into a lot of birds in a lot of different places. So what what are you looking for if you see 5,000 here versus 5,000 there? Is there something that'll tip you off to say we're going here? You're asking me to give my trade secrets now. Well, okay, so you don't have to get that in-depth. That's probably the most important question spring conservation snow goose hunters need to ask. Because you go out spotting, and the birds will drive you insane. Well, sure. There'll be 10,000 birds in one field, and an hour later, they're going to be over in this field, and yeah. two hours later, they're going to be in another field, and they just bounce, and they bounce, and they bounce. But they're very consistent in terms of where they bounce. So you you know this because you were up on other years. Oh, yeah. um, you set up, you find them, you find a good source of feed, you check the field, make sure there's lots in there for them to eat, and then... It's a patience game. Yeah. Put in your time. You will come up in the rotation that they're bouncing in that day. Sometimes you're going to have birds at first light or even before legal light swarming you and coming in and you get yeah. some shooting. Uh, as you experienced a couple of years ago when you were up here, we had a flock of 300 adults. There were no juvies in it that uh, circled us three times and then came in. And some of them were landing at our feet wow. and the rest of them were right on top of us. And that was at... Uh, you know, just before noon, like lunch hour. So I remember it like it was yesterday because I remember. Oh, I know. The feet it's just down. what we dream about oh. is those geese finishing like that, and it's really important. Watch the birds. 
find one field that you're confident in and watch the rest of the rotation right. because it right. could mean another hunt another day or two down the road. So There's no doubt if they're in a certain area, there's no doubt. You know, the thing the thing that I kicked myself in the, the pants for that we didn't do uh, that year was we never hunted the water slash uh, like loafing spot that they were using in the middle of the day. Like, like I kick myself for that because I think that would have been just uh, dynamite. Yeah. And I, and I think it would have been dynamite, like say from 11 o'clock to like four, I think we would have shot birds consistently for that whole time. And I think, and, and, and then the best thing about it is I think Brad, we would have shot, small groups coming in and finishing that that i think is the key I, right finishing uh, without even circling because uh, water yes. up here in the spring is their safe zone nobody bothers them nobody hunts them right and uh you know they got lots of time in big groups to look you over in a field that's right but when they're small groups singles doubles fives tens twenties yep. coming back to loaf during the day yep. and uh, they're using some type of staging water which is usually snow melt in the middle of a field um to be honest with you, the best thing to do is just use 50 to 75 uh, really detailed decoys, use the natural hide that's around edges, and sometimes those can be the absolute best hunts you have. Yeah, I mean, if we would have if we would have set up that if we would have set up some floaters, uh, some floaters on the water because it was just sheet water. It wasn't it wasn't yeah. you know real deep. It wasn't a big reservoir. It wasn't anything like that. If we would have had uh, set up some floaters and then mixed in the full bodies, and there was a ton of, you know, grass and brush around that that we could have brushed in the layout blinds, just just ridiculous. We would have been just, that's what I think. That's the one I, I kick myself in the ass for every time because I go, man, because that would have just been, that would have just been just ridiculous and fun. Oh my right, God. and, you know, a shoot like that is an all-day affair. You yes. can set up because uh, you know from being up here with me, a lot of yeah. times you're in a field in the morning, and the birds come off the roost, and all of a sudden you have like eight to 10,000 birds swarming your field or going over top of you. And, like, I make sure I tell all the guys, do not shoot. shoot. <laughs> you know, I already because know. 1,000 birds in one group, it means that yep. you're busted and done for the day. That's right. But uh, we've had them come over us and just, uh, like, it's awe-inspiring. Just sit there and enjoy it. That's right. And then those birds trickle back. You're on the bounce. It's almost like they saw... Their buddies down there in that field, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to go north of here and get some barley, and then I'm going to come back over here. And that's exactly what happens, you know. An hour later, you get a couple coming, or there's a couple late birds coming off the roost, and they see you, and you start uh, having success. So uh, it's a bit of a patience game, and, you know, do yourself a favor. Leave those big, big groups alone Yeah. because uh, they've been hunted for nine months. There's they no, know what the bang no is. Yeah. <laughs> You're you're not going to have them come back an hour later if you're shooting at them. No, no, you 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 have to. It's just like anything else throughout the year, whether it's a big group of ducks in your area, or or dark geese or anything. Like you you lay into a group like that, you know, it, it, you're done. I mean, I I've I've yelled at guys, you know, at the duck club, and and out hunting and just go, you're don't don't anybody even move on that group of birds because. You shoot into that group like, okay, if there's five shooters, what are we really going to shoot? Um, if everybody doubles, we shoot 10. And if there's a couple hundred, say there's 500 birds in that group, 
Like we just blew up 490, you know, for nothing. So, right. you know, for 10 birds and and if we shoot 10 birds, that's that's if everybody doubles, which is is probably not going to happen. So, I I always just go, yeah. Don't even move. Just let them go like you said. Enjoy the show. Look at it, enjoy it and and just say, you know, see you guys in a in an hour when you start trickling back in smaller groups, you know. Right, and it's just a mindset. You got to understand what the birds are doing. When they leave central and northern Alberta, they fly nonstop. They usually wait for a full moon or when there's, a, you know, almost a full moon. They fly nonstop to their nesting grounds. Right. There's nowhere else to feed. There's nowhere else that's open. Right. But the bounce is part of their uh, physical conditioning to get ready. So yeah. they want to do lots of flying and prepare and build those muscles and eat lots, and that's what they're doing. Right. So it's all part of their game because when they leave Alberta and head or Saskatchewan and head north, it's, There's nothing else. it's a long go, man. Right. It's, right. you know, well, you talk over a 1,000 miles probably. Right, and if you're... You know, if you're in the States and you're hunting them and say they're bouncing from, you know, say they're bouncing from Missouri and they're going to skip and go all the way to the Dakotas or they're going to skip and go here, like, you, you got to know your area if if you're in a, you know, are you in an area where they're going to stick around for a little bit or are they not? So, you know, that, that would have a lot of a, a lot to do with it as well on, on how you're scouting and what you're doing and how you're shooting and all that. There's no doubt. Absolutely. I mean, you bring up a good point. I'll just point out the fact that I'm spoiled that I hunt them in Saskatchewan and Alberta because yeah. those birds keep pushing up. They're very anxious to get here, but they get up against the boreal forest and the Canadian shield, and there's nowhere to go. Right. There's nowhere to go until they can bounce all the way up to their nesting ground. Because it's just all frozen tundra, covered in snow. There's no feed. There's no open water. There's nothing. That's right. So it's not like uh, trying to catch the bounce coming through uh, Missouri. Those birds come here and they're going to stage, you know, somewhere between two and five weeks. Right. And they do get antsy, but they bounce around, and you you see that. So, um, well, uh, what we often see with the snows here is they bounce anywhere from five to ten miles at a time so yeah. you'll have a, a group of birds working an area all of a sudden they disappear well if you go for a drive ten miles north all of a sudden oh there, there they, they are. are right yeah so they're just slowly bumping north knowing that they're waiting for the right weather conditions and i don't know how they know they just those do. adult birds that have done that migration year uh-huh. after year after year they can sense when it's uh it's safe to go up there which means there'll be food and water right. and they you know get right down to business because they have to they have to nest uh, well and rear their young and then get back out before it freezes up right and and we're going through that right now with uh, we just had a big uh, snow push and a weather push so you know like some guys shot some birds in Missouri and then it went to like zero degrees or whatever the high was like six or something and then those birds just went right back down to Arkansas or even more south. Uh, you know, to Louisiana or 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 low, you know what I mean, because of yep. the snow push. So they're going to, no matter where you are, they're going to hover that snow line, the freeze line, whatever you want to call it. So you need to be prepared. Now, when it starts thawing out and, you know, you start getting the warmer days, you better be ready because uh, depending on what the weather's doing, they might hop quick. They might stay near you only for a couple days they might stay for a couple hours if you're very unlucky you know it could happen 
Oh, absolutely. It's very interesting here. Our season opens on March 15th and runs till June 15th. And I have been in southern Alberta mid-March and photographed uh, snow geese standing in the snow in stubble fields. Right. There's never a lot of them. Sometimes there's like 15 to 50 in, in a flock, but they're all adult birds. So they're probably those old adults that are just anxious to get up there. They know their right. timeline is tight and, and uh, you know, it's go, 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 pushing it all the time. Well, they uh, want to be in the first season. The latest I've actually seen birds was uh, June 10th, uh, but they were all juvies. You know, heading north, not having to worry about uh, breeding, breeding that first. Right. And it's, uh, you know, take your time, have some fun, you know. See the sights. Like they were just, uh, you know, down <laughs> south for this uh, warm weather and stuff, and they're taking their time going back north before they molt out. Well, I think the, uh, I think the adult birds are like, hey, uh, you know, last year we, we didn't get a good spot at the campground, so we need <laughs> to get up there a little earlier and get our spot. So... You know who knows what they think, but but like you said, they are so they are so on a timeline and on a clock that it is crazy, and they yeah, know and way people more. don't realize how inhospitable their nesting grounds can be. Right, like it. Uh, well, you've you know, been just, there and, uh, and read photo, a book right? expedition that was frozen into the Northwest Passage for for three years and they sank. But those birds are actually a lot of them are nesting actually north of that Northwest Passage. You know, there are some in northern Manitoba around Arvieta on the west side of Hudson Bay, but a lot of them are right up near the top of the world, basically. Some of them actually go right into Russia. So the weather can be really challenging. You know, for them to get up there, it's like a ticking clock the whole time. Got to get down to business, got to lay the eggs, got to, you know, rear, nest the clutch and get them going, right. and hopefully they're all flying so they can get out of there in time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, Mother Nature is pretty impressive on something like that. I mean, they are on a clock and that's that. And they, like you said, they got to get down to business and get it and make everything happen, uh, to preserve this species. And, you know, I almost think, I almost think sometimes that, um, that snow geese are like wolves, um, that the more you pressure them, the more they feel the need to keep the species going. Uh, because they, like you said, they're on a clock. They got to get up there. They have to have, they have to lay the eggs. They have to get the next group going. Like I almost think they are just, they're they are such intense uh, breeders to keep the population going. I, I don't know. That's how I view it sometimes. That they're they're that intense. Well, a lot of it is a barometer for our environment. The Arctic has been warming uh, significantly, so there's actually more summer than they've ever experienced before. There's warmer temperatures, better conditions. And uh, on the southern side of the equation, as you know, there's flooded rice fields and uh, wintering habitat development that helps them uh, sustain those kinds of birds. So it's it's a multi-pronged ap- approach where the birds have a little bit more time to be successful in the north, uh, less uh, catastrophic failures where winter just comes and snatches everything from them some years and uh, enough room to actually allow them to survive on their southern migration as well. So yeah. uh, it's a combination of things that have led to the uh, population explosion because it's more than an increase. It's an absolute explosion. Well, there's no doubt there's a ton of, you know, <laughs> there's a ton of birds. And then, uh, you know, well, two years ago when, when I was up, you know, before all the, the pandemic and the whole thing and couldn't come up and the whole deal, I mean, the amount of, 
adults that we were seeing and the amount of adults we were shooting uh, was just incredible uh, as far as juveniles. I mean, it was unbelievable. And then, you know, then we jump over to Saskatchewan and the amount of Rosses, the explosion in the, the Ross population was was mind-blowing. Yes. Being in front of them or on the line they want to migrate through is critical to seeing, you know, certain numbers of different species. Like that hunt in Saskatchewan where the Rosses were just so plentiful was oh. just like those are days that are magic. It was unbelievable. That was that was a good time. And, you know, as we're piling them up, it's like, you know, it's like, holy God, Ross, 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 Ross. Oh, there's yeah. A, actually, if I snow. remember that correctly, we were piling up the empty hulls, but not that many birds. <laughs> yes, and I could I could absolutely agree that it wasn't our it wasn't our side that was piling up the hulls, <laughs> and not the birds because you and I were on the left. If I yeah, we did very well. Okay. It was fun. Yes, yes. But, we, well, know, we that, had that some. Was, we, we ended some... up with 52 birds that morning, and yep. uh, there was only two adults. Yes, and yeah. and we had we had some juvenile snow goose shooters as well. You know what I mean? So that's okay. Yep. You know, they were getting the hang of it as we were getting to the end there. That's okay. Exactly. It's all fun, and the ammo companies love us. Federal loves us to death, especially when yeah. we're doing stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys shot a couple cases. That's awesome. Keep it up. Yes, we will. We will keep running it dry. Don't worry about that. So, um, so we're talking to Brad Fenson, uh, outdoor writer and uh, snow goose, uh, you know, killer and animal, you know, chaser. Like, I don't even want to talk about how many big animals you've. That's another. That's another podcast. But Brad does very well on the birds. Uh, he's in a great spot and does a lot of traveling and is also and also down here in the states a ton too. Uh, when the borders are open and everything is normal, you know, doing doing articles and doing everything like that. Um, have you been Have you been down here for snows, or just up uh, there? I have hunted Arkansas where I I saw snows, but uh, it, we were primarily focused on the ducks. Right. So right. Well, because I go ahead. The simple answer would be no. Yeah, I mean, because I was going to say, I mean, we'll. Uh, I was going to say, how does it differ up there from down here? Um, but, you know, like we talked about, there's there's certain things that you can't get away from, and that's the scouting and being in the right area and being somewhat close to the roost and not shooting into, you know, giant, giant groups that are going to ruin it first thing in the morning or first thing you get out and stuff like that. you got to just take them as they come. Now, if you're in a staging area where there's – you know, a million birds and they just keep coming, like you're going to have to shoot into big groups. I get that. You know what I mean? But you got to know your area and know your, you know, your limitations on what you can do so you don't, you know, blow up your whole, you know, say if you get a week of it, you don't want to blow it up in one day or one shoot. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I'm guessing you haven't seen any birds returning yet because of the weather. There hasn't been anything moved over the border. Zero. Like yeah. I mean, this we set some cold records this week. Yeah. Uh, parts of northern Alberta had uh, minus 83 Fahrenheit. Uh, I've got some friends that work in the oil and gas field, and wow. they were out at, and it's uh, 
it's beyond cold. You know, you got to be very careful. It could be life-threatening. Oh, there's no so, doubt on something like that. My God. Yeah, we, uh, we've we been inside a lot. I did go out and do some things yesterday with the wind chill here. It was minus 51. Mm-hmm. Again, you got 30 seconds of exposed skin will freeze. So the birds know better than to come back. But uh, it does make for good habitat conditions. We're continuing to get snow. We've got a good snowpack. Oh, yeah. Uh, ground will be frozen solid. And you talk about having that sheet water in the spring that water only sticks around till the frost lets go in the ground underneath it. Yep. So it's uh, it's all good. It's going to make for sp- good spring conditions for those snows and um, and everything else coming up. It should be great. It should be great. Like you said, should have a decent amount of water. You know, uh, all the all the lakes and and ponds and everything up there should be should be just perfect and prime for you know uh, habitat and, and and enough water for everything. It should be really good this this spring and summer yeah we always have our fingers crossed that's right that's all you can do that's all you yeah, can mother do. nature's in control and she's unpredictable <laughs> yeah she does whatever she wants to do there's no doubt about it yeah no doubt about it um well i mean we've covered a bunch uh i'm gonna talk to uh steve hawkinson who's who's down in california who's in another hot bed of snows we're gonna chit chat with him and go through his kind of you know his details and his stuff so I think that's a that's a perfect uh, and and Steve's been up in Canada as well and guided up there so he'll he'll kind of see both sides. They don't get a lot of snows where he guides, so it'll be a a a, a good opinion and a good you know a, a good bunch of tips from him and we'll we'll see where we we get to there. But I appreciate you jumping on and going through some snow goose stuff and hopefully you know everybody listening got something out of that that can help them be you know a better snow goose hunter let's call it you know and chaser because it really starts on the chase <laughs> yeah it does just be patient and watch them you yeah. know the more you watch them the more you understand what they're doing no, so. there's no doubt there's no doubt brad fenson everybody uh you can check him out anywhere uh on instagram and uh facebook and everywhere else and you could you know if you pick up a magazine you'll see his name and it could be about anything uh, he does everything from predators to big game animals to birds to, uh, and especially the cooking. If you want great recipes, look up Brad. We got a bunch of links on the Final Approach website where you can get some great recipes uh, for wild game, birds, stuff like that. So yeah, you are a you are a chef, a great chef in the kitchen. There's no doubt about it. Well, thanks for the kind words. It's always nice to have you up here and share a blind and uh, a table and a grill afterwards. Yeah, bud. Looking forward to it. Hopefully we get, everybody gets their vaccines, everybody gets cleared, the border gets open, and and I am on my way as soon as it happens. <laughs> You're welcome here anytime. Awesome, bud. All right. Hey, appreciate the info, and I will talk to you guys soon. Say hi to the girls and uh, Steph for me, and we'll talk soon. Will do. Take care. Awesome, buddy. Thanks. Brad Fenson right there, Snow Goose Tactics, and we're just getting info. Uh, Big shout-outs to everybody that kind of makes the podcast roll and go, and that is Federal Ammunition. We just talked about them. They love Snow Goose Hunters, (laughs) and they love guys who shoot a lot or don't really shoot good or shoot good and shoot often. So uh, big shout-outs to them. Also, uh, Rob uh, Reynolds, my buddy up at uh, Ranchland Outfitters. Rob has us up every year. And uh, it's just the most incredible place, uh, and I look forward to it every year. So big shout-outs to Rob and also the guys at Federal and uh, and Weatherby. 
we we have some good stuff coming with the guys at Weatherby, and we'll be talking about that really soon. Uh, they're going to make a little bit of a a splash in the shotgun side of the world and the waterfowl side of the world. And we're pretty excited to uh, team up with them and kind of get moving on that. So we'll tell you more details as we get going on that. It's the FA podcast hanging out. I'm Mario.